Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that we do for love. Dumb, 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 Two, and now we're on three. Oh my gosh. I'd never thought this day would it's happen. It's so great. <laughs> uh, for real. So now we've uh, we've actually launched, and we're on all the places that you can hear us, and we just want to say thank you to those of you who have listened so far. And yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah. The response has been awesome. I, I really... Like, we, we're already getting um, write-ins of your dumb love stories, which are amazing, and um, we're super excited that That's you guys a, are listening and it's that all you're engaging do. with us. <laughs> all I want to do is hear other people's dumb love stories. That I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Me too. Well, it's funny you should say that. So my dumb love story was probably the first dumb thing that I had ever done for love. Um, this is the story of Robbie the Robot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, d- is this going to be another um, mechophilia, it, mechophilia story? story? No, it's not. But oh, well, there's going to okay. be a lot of robot I'll, stories. I guess on I'll here. still want to hear it. Um, okay. Well, coincidentally, my first childhood crush was um, the Terminator, which is a robot. <laughs> also a so robot. So maybe I just have a thing for robots. Maybe I'm a mechophilia, and I had no idea. Um, so. A megaphiliac. Um, anyway, so when I was in the third grade, the third grade, I was madly in love with this boy. His name was Brian Dayton. Uh, Brian, if you're listening, um, you have no idea who I am, and that's cool. Um, <laughs> he's like, why did I just hear my name? Who's Jen? No, he's like, I don't remember. Uh, you'll remember this when I tell you. Um, and so when I say madly in love with him, what I mean is um, it was one of those crushes where, like, I don't remember, um, you know, if we actually ever spoke to each other or <laughs> did he just kind of look like Joey from New Kids on the Block? You uh-huh. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like when you were little and it was just like a boy that you just zero in on. Just like he looked like somebody you wanted, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you yeah. painted a whole picture in your head of like, oh, we're in love. Right. Like why? Yeah, why? Even though you don't speak. Um, <laughs> so I told my older sister who's two years older than me um about you know this giant love problem that I had because um this unrequited love and she was just like you know what you need to do so she's you're in third grade yeah she's a fifth grader so she's like I know everything I've been around the block yeah 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 well here's the thing like my sister had been um habitually plotting to destroy me since I was born (laughs) But the thing is, I didn't realize that until I was about 10 or so. So, like, I listened to all of her shitty, terrible advice (laughs) because I just figured, you know, you know, like, she was like, what you need to do is you need to tell him and you need to make sure that when you do it, everyone is watching. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, my heart is breaking for little Jen. I know. And I totally trusted her. So I was like, well, okay, you're my big sister and you obviously have my best interest at heart. So full speed ahead. Let's do this. So, um, so I decided to like draft up, you know, the, what is the classic elementary school love letter? Um, which just says like, I like you. Do you like me? Check yes or check no. <laughs> That's it. Whoever came um, up with that format is really came up. It was like really onto something. I know. <laughs> I mean, they should just, you know, those like notebooks that how they have all those like, um, pre-written notes, like, like post-it notes yeah. that say like to-do list or whatever. They should just have those and just slap them around on your well, I precious mean, now, lot. Now kids are just like texting each other yeah like a picture of a eggplant or right something. <laughs> i could have just texted him an eggplant um so i um so i decide so i dropped up this letter the check yes check no and i decide that i'm going to give it to him uh in the cafeteria in the middle of lunch so that everyone can see um but only instead of just handing it to him um, I decide that I'm going to deliver it to him via my remote control robot complete with its own serving tray. 
this robot was called like Robbie Jr. or something, and I so I called it Robbie the robot. So um, I loved this robot, and so I took it with me to school. Did you love it or did you learn? No, it? like I loved it as a friend. It oh, was okay, a total yeah. pl- platonic like Robbie. I really like. I wanted it to do more than it did. It was pretty yeah. much just like forward, backward, hello, <laughs> and but I really wanted it to like you know be my best friend right because I was a really weird kid um so I take the robot to school and I like wait until everyone and so I wait until lunchtime and I wait until everyone's like you know mid-chew and it's the most silent and I was like all right this is it this is now or never (laughs) so I put the note on the robot and I send it over to him and um, so, and in my head, I was thinking, oh, he'll get, the the robot will go up to him and he'll be like, oh, a letter. But really, <laughs> the robot goes up to him and he's like, what? <laughs> Why is there a robot and, and in the I cafeteria? Like, I'm just so waiting. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I don't understand, like, what is this thing doing? And so I had to, like, at one point, I remember I had to be like, um, it's a note for you. Um, <laughs> I don't know who it's from. Uh, read it. Read the note. So he picks it up, and he reads the note, uh, and then he checks a box, and then he places it back on the tray. Um, So I now have to, like, remote control the robot back over to me (laughs) (laughs) across the cafeteria. And so um, now this was an 80s robot, which, you know, they weren't really built for speed. (laughs) So... Imagining just oh. it like poor little Jen. Yeah. Oh, like, oh my god, it was the like the slowest, and everybody's just like, <clears throat> What is Jen? We know it's you. Like, just go get the robot. Like, the journey from Brian's table back to my table just felt like 10,000 lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> it was the slowest, most awkward. Plus, I was like, you know, nervous because I wanted to see what the note said and right. everyone's staring. It was like, I was sweat, so many buckets. It was um, awful. What, so, what point, while this is happening, did you realize that this was a bad idea? Like, where, when, or did, were you still like hopeful when it was coming back to you? I mean, I feel like from the second that, the robot left my area and was like on its way to him. I was like, what the fuck? Did you not realize that you were controlling it? <laughs> that you could just make it come back? Like, I was just. No, he knew that. Like, I think he knew that I had remote controlled it over to him because the, the remote control was like the size of a brick because <laughs> it was like from the 80s. And so, or I guess it was a, it was a, it was like 1990. Yeah. And so, no, it was the 80s late 80s early anyway so um now you know how old I am fine (laughs) so I um yeah I would like so they everyone knew that it was me like holding out this like giant remote but he would they were just like why Why? (laughs) so then the I like the remote uh the the robot finally gets back to me and I pick up the note and everyone is watching and waiting to see like what the hell is going on I read it, and he checked no. Oh. And so I was, like, absolutely heartbroken and mortified, and everyone was just looking at me, and I was just like, go back to your sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) And please fuck off. And so I was just so, I just didn't want anyone to look at me. But the worst part was then I had to carry around this clunky-ass robot (laughs) for the rest of the day, and people would be like, oh, that's so cool. What is that? And I'm like, nothing, no way. You know how um, when you're a little kid, when you get hurt, you, uh, like, if you hurt yourself or get hurt, you blame, like, you want to blame something. Like, my son could walk into a wall and be like, Mom, why did you put this wall here? You know what I mean? Like, so I was, like, I needed someone or something to blame for that terrible experience. And while you would think that I would blame my sister. Right. I was like, I I know um, the culprit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely, I mean... (laughs) 
But what um, I did, I was, I blamed the robot. Like, I was so mad at the robot for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. I was just like, it was just such a reminder of that terrible experience. I never wanted to look at the robot again. Oh, no. Did you make the robot? He was like, I don't understand. (laughs) I do not come to you. You ruined my life, Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) What did I do? I'm sorry. (laughs) What? Like, this robot that, like, I begged my parents for for Christmas. And it was, like, the big expense. Gift that I had to have, and I probably had like enjoyed him for maybe like four or five months until I like took him to profess my love to this like idiot kid that I I don't think I ever spoke to this boy again. Oh my god! And, um, can we please uh, after this call him? We- <laughs> call him? No, I was Face- just gonna Facebook stalk him. I wasn't gonna call him up. Yeah, I mean, um, well, let's find uh, his name to completely put him out there into the universe uh brian dayton from uh long island new york from long island new york all right see kinney elementary school (laughs) um if you remember this story and remember like some idiot robot hitting you on the leg (laughs) (laughs) then give us a call but yeah it was like it was so embarrassing and um that's amazing but the th- I was so, like, mortified. But the thing is, like, I felt like the whole universe was crashing in and that I could never go to school again. But I don't think anybody, like, really even knew what the hell I was doing. They just saw, like, a robot go back and right. forth. And they're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> just another day in third grade. I mean, crazy stuff's always happening. <laughs> just Jen being a weirdo. <laughs> so, yeah, there's my... Im- but I'll share more for sure over, you know, the course of this podcast. You're going to hear a lot of dumb stories about stuff that Sally and I have done. But we want to hear... Oh, no, I've never done anything dumb. You liar. <laughs> We've... Um, we want to hear from you guys. So um, if you could send all of, even if it's just like a one-liner, we would love to share it on our Instagram. You know, just like this one time I blah, blah, blah. You know, just send it to us. We want to hear it. Um, it at You can s- email it to dumblovepod at gmail.com or even just like send us a note on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Um, text us if you know us. Um, <laughs> we just want to hear from you guys. Yes. Um, so that's my quickie. I love it that I'm like my heart is is dying for because I'm like cool. I was that kid too. I was like yeah. so like I you know just had I was shy and weird but I also had a lot of confidence. <laughs> like I, I would do things like that where I was very dramatic. Yes, I was yeah. dramatic and I like believed in these like grand love stories. Yes. I believed in these things. Yeah, I yes, I 100% yeah. was that kid too. So um, I just didn't have a robot. <laughs> I just wasn't cool enough to have a robot. Oh my god. Um, okay, so I'm gonna do my quickie, and it's it's actually very quick. But um, okay. so, do you is 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 Zach a good gift giver? Like, is he? No, he's notoriously the worst. Oh, is but he? <laughs> hold on. Like, every once in a while, when I'm not expecting a gift, like it's not a birthday or it's not a whatever, he'll give me something that's amazing and I didn't even know that I wanted and it'll be my favorite thing ever like yeah. the, the bike he bought me one time was amazing I feel but, like that's even better than like totally yeah than on a birthday where you're like but you have to give me something I would say the worst gift that he gave me um was a paintbrush with a post-it note on it this was a Christmas present a paintbrush like a Home Depot uh-huh. like painter's paintbrush with a note on it that said good for one free porch painting <laughs> And I was like, you just gifted me a chore like that you were supposed... And he ended up like not even doing it. I did it. <laughs> well, that's why he gave you the paintbrush. <laughs> Here you go. Get to, get to the bank. Um, well, Ben's usually... I mean, my husband, Ben, is, that's who we're talking about. My husband, Ben, is usually a great gift giver. He is really good at gifts. Like, And I'm the one who's just like... Oh, it's your birthday! <laughs> here's, a, here's a paintbrush. You know, like our fifth wedding anniversary, he... In secret, while I was like on the on the road doing comedy, he made me a picnic bent a picnic table. Like oh I my like God. always wanted one. He like made from scratch a picnic table, and I gave him a Wii game. Like that was like what. Dude, we- you're <laughs> carrying. He's Aiden. He, it was yes, and but, <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, and then, but I think he's you know he once he once gave me a um, a set of golf clubs. For, and I don't play golf. Like that was ever. Thing that they, you've <laughs> never mentioned it. 
I mean, we've played like occasionally, but I'm not a golfer. You know what I mean? I'm right. not, I would, I have no, I have never used those clubs. And that was like years. He was like, I took a swing, you know, like I thought maybe we could get into golf. I don't know. <laughs> um, so this is about, my quickie is about a husband giving gifts to his wife, which is why I asked. Oh, but yay. so. So Iowa farmer Dick Kleiss was kind of known for giving his wife, Carol, like kind of off-the-wall birthday gifts. And so for his her 67th birthday, he was like at a loss of what to do. And then he saw, so they're farmers, he saw uh, 120 pounds of manure. <laughs> Which makes Man- me just think of uh, like... $240 worth of pudding. pudding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we were talking about the state last week. It's 120 pounds of manure. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, like all giant piles of shit, um, this one gave him an idea. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I, ha- I was like, I had to write at least one shit pun. I had a million in my head. but um, There so will he, be more, I feel like. He decided he was going to take his manure spreader and um, which I, I'm gathering is something used to fertilize fields. Like you take all the cow's manure and then use it in the field. So he took the manure spreader and spelled out HAP B Day Love You. H A P B Day Love You. It took him three hours to do it. And he made sure to, that he put it in a field that she could see from the living room. Oh my god. Which I think is I think it's hilarious. I mean it's hilarious, right? And but also they used like he's they're in their 60s, they're like 60s using Aww. text speak. <laughs> he's like L U V. Like my dad used to text me all the time and in his text he'd be like, "Hey, I'm going to go to the Home Depot." And then he would always write L U V dad. <laughs> like <Aww>. love dad. <laughs> and at the end of a text I'm like, "You don't have to write that." And also, <laughs> if you're going to write love, just spell it out. Like um so so I, it was I've never seen H A P B is happy. I think it's hap like happy B day. Oh, but, I see, I see. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it took me a while to get it too. But in uh so Carol said, um, he's done some weird things for a birthday, but nothing this weird. <laughs> That's what she said. And then Dick said, I was going to put a heart after the U, but I ran out of poop. Oh, my God. Um, and then he also said that he was like, people, it wasn't that hard to make. And then he gives a tip. He goes, any manure will make it. <laughs> will do. Uh, but the good, soft, gushy, warm stuff works the best. It kind of melts the snow. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is like the idea of your, it, depending on how you're feeling about your husband at the time, the idea of your husband outside shoveling shit for hours, right? It's kind of a gift within itself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hell yeah. That's so funny. Like um, last year we were in, um, on vacation and I like looked up in the sky and it said, um, I love you, J-E. And then I look over at Zach and he looks at me like, huh? Uh? And I was like, what? And then I look back up and it says, Jesus. <laughs> like, you little shit. For like 20 seconds, he tried to take credit. Right. <laughs> and then hoped that I'd never look back up in the sky. <laughs> you were so in love. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Hey, Sally. Yes, Jen? Are you ready for um, my crazy love story? I am really ready for it. Oh, my God. So this is probably the epitome of wild, crazy love stories. Um, it's it's such a big one. It's a pretty famous one. You might have heard it before. I could... Like, there are so many twists and turns to the story that it could be, like, a three-part episode, but... We don't have time for that, so I'm going to give it to you hard, and I'm going to give it to you fast. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So this is the wild and crazy love story of Bert Pugash and Linda Riss. Do nope. you know this one? No. Oh, man. Buckle up. Here, here's the thing you'll learn about me, Jen, is that even if I have seen this or read about it like you won't remember no yeah I'm like I'm one of those people who like I take in media and then I instantly forget it like I'm like I could watch a tv show and then you could be like oh what just happened on that and I'll be like I have no idea I know you're like every 
comic stream <laughs> right audience. i'm like oh my gosh that joke is so good <laughs> i've never heard it before <laughs> all right so tell me uh, tell me your story okay so in 15 in 1959 in east bronx new york 32 year old burton pugash which is funny we're gonna call him bert from here on out because i was watching the documentary um there is a documentary called crazy love and every time in the like for the first 30 minutes every time they would say burton pugash i was like well who is poo <laughs> <laughs> i thought they were saying bert and pugash <laughs> <laughs> so anyway all right so um 32 year old bert pugash um spots a gorgeous 20 year old young woman um named linda Riss on the street um linda has like dark hair porcelain skin sharp dresser she's like a knockout and he immediately says to his friend um like who is that like i have to have her i have to have this woman and he was became completely obsessed with like gaining the love of this beautiful woman so Bert was um, a very successful lawyer, and when I say lawyer, I mean he was one of those like shameless ambulance chasers. Like he would even do that thing where he would pay um, off doctors to give you know fake diagnoses, whatever like would oh, suit yeah. his needs. Like he was really crooked, um, but he was very wealthy because of that. So he had like cars, a private plane, he owned a nightclub. He was very flashy. Um, and he wasn't very attractive for standards um, back then. I mean, like these days, you know, his like lanky body and weak chin would get laid <laughs> regularly. <laughs> He's a lead cool singer of some band with like 18 word name. <laughs> oh, totally. He would be dating Kate Beckinsale for sure. Um, but back then, um, not really. Um, so. He starts to, like, wine and dine Linda, you know, and he brings her to the club all the time. They start dating. Um, And every time she walks into the club, he arranges it so that every time um, she walks in, he got the band to start playing the song called Linda. Oh, okay. Which is like baller move. Um, So while she wasn't initially attracted... I'm imagining her, like... Like walking out, like walking in and be like, oh, I forgot something there. Like, Lynn. Okay. And then, like, she walks out and she walks in. Lynn. Lynn. Like, they start back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or what if she was like, I, I never said my name was Linda. <laughs> um, so. Anyways, while she wasn't initially attracted to him, she certainly starts to fall in love with this, like, flashy lifestyle, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Because she was, like, a poor girl from the Bronx. Um, And her family didn't have a lot of money. But, um, so he soon proposes to her, and she agrees until she finds out that Bert is already married. Um, Bert had been, yeah, beat Mark. Um, Bert had been married to wife Francine Pugash for about eight years, and they had a daughter, um, and he had a daughter with this woman that was born like severely mentally and physically handicapped, mm-hmm. which is like asshole. Yeah, like you're to- <laughs> like you're just like leaving your wife and poor daughter at home to, you know, go off and live this like flashing nightclub lifestyle like go fuck yourself so um but apparently francine knew of all of his um transgressions and like she knew he was like sleeping with his secretary like he did a lot of shady shit but she didn't care as long as he stayed married to her um she even at one point called linda and was like look have your affair do whatever you want but just know that i'm never giving him a divorce so like good luck trying to marry him so um so Bert, you know, tells Linda, like, no, 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 like, I'm, I'm leaving my wife, and he shows her these divorce papers that he had filed, but then um, Linda was actually smart enough to have a lawyer friend look at the papers, and the lawyer was like, no, these are bullshit, like, this guy sucks, these are not real. Like, he's not, even, he's not even a good enough lawyer to make, like, to make good, good. <laughs> like, which I don't know, I'm, yeah, I'm like, that's not that hard. Yeah, <laughs> so Linda was, like... You know, pretty pissed, and she just decides to, you know, leave for a little while, get out of town, so she goes with some friends to Miami, and while um, she's there, she meets this super handsome guy named Larry Schwartz, um, which she refers to as a real uh, Rock Hudson type, which we later learn to find out that that means... Gay. Right. So, <laughs> but he's like, he's very handsome. Um, so Larry uh, isn't rich, but he's a really good person, and they fall deeply in love. Um, and 
um, her friends even say that like when she was with um, this guy Larry, that was like the only time that they ever really saw Linda show true affection to anyone. Um, and Linda, by the way, was still a virgin and saving herself for marriage. Um, so of course, Larry was yeah. like, uh, "Let's get married." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, um, so you know, he, he becomes. They get engaged, but Bert is still completely obsessed with Linda, like sending her flowers and calling and going by her house all the time. He reaches out to her family, begs them to help her get, um, help him get her back. And they're just like, listen, dude, there's nothing we can do. She's actually even engaged to another man, so go away. Um, so forever. <laughs> so this, when he learns that, Linda's engaged and then you know in his mind he's thinking he's going to get to have sex with her when they get married so like that it enrages him and he goes oh because he's like she's gonna have sex with another man it's gonna be me not you yeah 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 is that like the obsession with virgins you're like oh yay you get to have bad sex like it's like dogs peeing on things yeah yeah I guess it's instinctual not territory alright so he gets mad oh so um (laughs) So he, like, starts harassing her. He, like, throws rocks through her windows. Like, he's trying to get her scared so that he thinks that she'll come running back to him. He even, like, considers, like, paying someone to beat her up, you know, um, to so that she'll go running back to him. He actually, at one point, actually was ready. He went to her house with a gun and was going to kill her, but then was like, I can't kill her. Yeah, he's cuckoo. He's crazy. Um, So... In December of 1958, Linda goes to the 42nd Precinct and tells the detectives, like, listen, Bert is threatening me, but surprise, the police refuse to press charges. Um, Oh, little lady. Yeah. You're probably asking for it. Did you not have sex with him? I know. (laughs) Um, This is all your fault. What were you wearing? Um, And then on January 13th, Linda goes to the Bronx Magistrate's Courts and takes out a summons against Bert for harassment, but it's dismissed. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Then um, in March, she tells, she goes to the 42nd Precinct again in the Bronx, um, and they tell her they can't provide protection until an act is committed. So they can't protect her until he does something. Right. Which is some bull-ass bullshit. And so on Monday, June 15th, 1959, um, a man posing as a messenger goes to Linda's house and rings the doorbell, and she's all excited, thinking that it's an engagement gift, you know, or a wedding gift. Yeah. So Linda runs to the door, and when she opens it, the man throws lye, which is acid, in her face, blinding and disfiguring her. <gasps> oh, no. I know. I know. So it's quickly traced back to Bert. Of course. Right, of course. Um, after which he's arrested and he awaits to stand trial. Um, so Linda is um, hospitalized for months. And in the beginning, Larry, her fiance, the Rock Hudson guy, says that he's going to stand by her um, and that no matter what. But then, like, as soon as the story is out of the newspapers and all eyes aren't on Larry, yeah. he leaves her. Because he's Fucking a Larry. Fucking Larry. I was hoping we had a good guy in this story. Mm-mm. Nope. No. So then, while on trial, Bert's wife, Francine, finally leaves him. Okay. Finally. Well. So she gets out of there. She was like, so, okay, I can finally leave him, and I know I'll get the money. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. And Bert decides to represent himself in the trial. Because he's, he's a, a lawyer, lawyer, and he's cocky, and mm-hmm. he's crazy. And so... Um, so he's like, have you crazy? Heard the, there's like the saying. So I think you know this. I don't that I used to be a lawyer. I was a lawyer. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So my the judge that I used to work for, he would always. I think this is like a common saying, but it's like you know, he who represents himself has a fool for a client. Oh yeah. So it's like if you're a lawyer, you're representing yourself. You're an idiot. You're just an idiot. You know, like you. Anyway, Ted Bundy did it. And it was cuckoo. So Bert being like a lunatic, you know, of course has like all kinds of crazy courtroom antics. Like he, at one point he tries to get a mistrial um, by in the courtroom, he takes off his glasses, smashes them, uses the uh, glass from it, cuts his wrists open and screams, I love you, Linda. 
Cool. Yeah, real cool. So people think might think that this is like, oh, a desperate act for love. But in the documentary, when he shows his scars, he, he actually says, uh, these are the scars from when I tried to get that mistrial. Right. Like, yeah. not like when I tried to prove my love. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He was like, he was this, probably, is, this is my scars from the mistrial. Yeah. He's very proud of it. or like... To yeah. be declared unfit for trial or something like that. Yeah. That's yeah. Like everything he does for her or to get her has nothing to do with who. It's all about him and what right. it means to her. Like what she means to him. Not like it's not about I her love qualities. you. Yes. Yeah. It's about his obsession with her. Absolutely. And his control. And <clears throat> yeah. He's crazy. Anyway. So um, Bert um, spends 14 years in prison. And then, um, and Linda tries to date, um, but, you know, she can't really get close to anyone. She would go on dates. She would wear these, like, really chic-looking dark glasses because she was very fashionable. And um, so she would wear these, like, really cool glasses and, like, and, you know, she had an amazing body, beautiful face. Like, her face wasn't disfigured. It was just her eyes. So Mm -hmm. she could cover them up with the glasses. And, um, but then when she would get close to someone, you know, when she took off her glasses, she, she said it scared them off. So she eventually just stopped, um, tr- uh, trying and Bert the whole time while he's in jail, just continues to write her letters and harass her and tell a well, just tell her how in love he still is with her. Why are they and letting him send her letters? I don't know. Maybe it's cause it was the fifties and the sixties and then <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. So um, at one point, she's like, oh, yeah, you're sorry? All right, how about show me how sorry you are by sending me some money, you know, because I'm broke now and right. I can't get a rich husband because of what you did. So he was like, oh, all right. So he immediately starts, like, lawyering because he was a lawyer. And, like, in the, like, inmates and, like, you know, doing stuff in the jail oh, okay, so that yeah. he can get money from them. And then he sends all of his money to Linda. Um so they speak on the phone here and there, um, and Linda still though you know she's taking money from the from him, but yeah. she is also telling the courts like do not let him out of jail. Right. So then they let him out of jail. Right. Of course. <laughs> and, um, during um, I, so you know he's kind of a spectacle you know because it's this big crazy story. So he's on a TV interview. And on the TV interview, he, again, professes his love to her, and then he proposes to her on TV. Um, Linda, of course, is having um, none of this. You know, she wants nothing to do with him. And then, like, years later, um, one day at a grocery store, this woman um, named Margaret Powers, who was actually the police officer who was sent originally um, assigned to protect her during the trial, like, she was there her protection officer, Um, Margaret Powers runs into Linda at the grocery store and, um, you know, just sees her looking very lonely and she looks in her cart and there's just like one can of peas and one, (laughs) the sad woman, one spam (laughs) or whatever. And like her heart just breaks for her. So she decides to call up one of Linda's good friends and was like, we need to get these two back together. Wait, Yes. Linda and Bert? Yes. So the woman that was protecting her originally from this maniac was like, you know what? He still loves her. She's alone. Why not get these two back together? Oh, God. I know. So... Um, they arrange a meeting. Like, so the friend is like, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, like, she has hell? a sad sack. I hate her. Yeah. Hate alone. So they arrange a meeting with Linda and Bert and Bert is like ecstatic, but he's also super leery because he thinks it might be like a revenge setup, and um, you know, which because it's totally something he would do, right? And so, um, but and then Linda is of course apprehensive, but then once they see each other, um, sparks fly, and Linda actually says like, "Oh, jail looks good on him. He's got a man's body now. He's not a little wimp." You know, like he <laughs> jail did like the time did him good or whatever. And so he proposes to her on the spot for the 10,000th time. And then, um, so they dated for five months and then they, they got married. It's like, like Stockholm syndrome. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's been so scarred and worn down by her abuser that like, she's yeah. just like, well, I don't have any other options and this is all I deserved. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that mentality. It's like, 
it's so hard to understand and and I have it, but like unless you know until you're like inside of it, and she probably just felt like, well, everybody's telling me this is my best option. So. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I think that she he had a lot of money because, um, and also he says that the um, all of the hype, um, like from like who he was and their yeah. story, it like tripled his business once he got out of jail. So he was like even richer. Yeah. But um so you think that's the end of the story, right? I mean I'm hoping, but no. I <laughs> I'm gonna guess not. not. Uh no. So like year so they're married and then years later, Bert is accused of um terrorizing his former mistress, Evangeline Borgia, who was his secretary that was 27 years younger than him. Uh, he gets physically violent with her. He breaks her wrist and threatens to, quote, unquote, blind her like Linda. Yeah. So he goes to jail again, but Linda doesn't leave him. In fact, she defends him to the death, saying, like, quote, unquote, he wouldn't hurt a fly. It's like, yeah, he would, Linda, because he did. Like, right? you're blind. You're the fly. In a million ways, you're blind. Like, yeah. he blinded you, and what the hell? Yeah, so he's, um, but yeah, she's just like, not my, actually, she's just like, not my man. He would never do that. Right, and he like, did it for me because he loved me, but he wouldn't, he's not, he was only violent. He only did it to, because he loved me. Yeah. yeah, and she's totally fine with him, like, cheating on her or whatever, and, um, oh. yeah, and then, um, Jump! Just I think it's just like like this is a terrible story for men to think that if they have money and power they can get away with whatever the f they want. Um, and he was eventually released from jail after you know um, terrorizing his former mistress. And then they remained happily maybe married until Linda eventually uh, passes away in two thousand thirteen. And is he still alive? He, I, he is still alive. <sighs> Um, I think according to Wikipedia, well, I mean, well, Wikipedia knows all, so, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty aft. It's a crazy story. That is a crazy story. And what's the documentary called? It's called crazy love. Crazy love. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Yes. That was a good one. All right, Jen. I feel like after that we need a true love story. Yes. One that has a happy ending. I mean, she was happy. I think she died. Oh, whatever. Um, okay. So this is, I would just want to say that this is, this is a, an incredible story of true love, but it's also kind of sad. So I just want to prepare you. I don't, I want you, this is going to be uplift. I think it's going to uplift your faith in humanity, but also there's some sad parts to it. So like the Lion King. <laughs> Actually, it's the story of the Lion King. Oh <laughs> no, this is a story of, um, Dasrath Manji, the mountain man. Have you heard of him? You know, I think I do, but I want to hear you tell it. Okay. Um, well, yeah, because my version is... I will say, I just want to say before that I actually did read a lot about him because I had never heard of him, but there are so many different kind of variations on this. Like every... I feel like every article I read had like kind of... a different facts so um, i only know like two sentences about him okay so, so i'm, I'm not excited sure to hear i'm not sure story. exactly what the i just want to say like anybody if you know this story i am not exactly sure where the truth lies but i'm i hope that i can, i'm getting it somewhat right um and also uh feel free to let me know if i didn't you can um email me at, <laughs> at gmail.com um okay so this is dothroth manji also i, I want to apologize in advance for how badly i'm going to butcher all of these names um okay so in 1959 dothroth was a poor um, landless laborer so he was a member of the hindu um secluded caste known as the musahars um and he lived in the atri block of gaya bihar which is an Indian state, so in northern India. Um, so just to give you some background, the Musahars are like one of the most marginalized groups in India. Um, they're often discriminated against. Um, I watched this like uh, a part of a documentary about how aid distributors will deny these communities like their food rations or they'll like completely overcharge them. Like say a community is supposed to get X number of bags of rice that's just an example i don't even know if that, but and then instead of 
giving it to them for the 25 rupees they're supposed to give it to. They'll like overcharge them and give them less than they're supposed to get. Um, and, and they're, and they mostly live, the Musahars mostly live in the state of Bihar, which is, um, and then they work in the stone quarries, um, often as bonded laborers. And some estimates are that like as many as 85% of some of the villages of Musahars suffer from malnutrition. Um, and because, and they don't have, many don't have access to health centers. Um, and so a lot of like times curable diseases are fatal. And so, um, these people, they, they don't own land. They're kind of like the lowest caste. And, um, and so they're, I mean, they're just outsiders. And, mm-hmm. um, so, okay. So where Das, that's, is the member of the tribe that Dashroth was in. So he was, um, Dashroth lived, uh, it was very rocky terrain. So his portion of this village of Gelhor was, um, it was divided in half. So it, it was his portion where all of the Muzhars lived um, was cut off from all of the basic facilities by this 300-foot-tall mountain that spanned, like, miles. So just think of, like, a very tall, rocky cliff um, that went really long. So to get to the other side, there was no... The road went around the mountain, and it was, like, 60 kilometers. So, like, I think it was, like, 40 miles. I don't know. I could have... I should have done that... Uh, you know what? Learn kilometers. Okay. <laughs> so 60 kilometers around. So all of the like school, the hospital, running water, electric, everything was on the other side of the mountain. So people, right. all of the men um, worked on the other side of the mountain in the fields of the people who owned the land. Um, and so they would have to tr- climb this very treacherous mountain um, every day to go to work and then back over to come home. Um, and then the women in the village, um, the women, um, including Dasra's wife, uh, Falungi Devi, um, would have to go over this mountain pass, this very treacherous mountain pass to get water and to like, to, they would bring lunch to the workers every day. So, so she would climb the mountain or yes. So he would climb the mountain to go around, uh, to go over to where he worked every day and go back. And then she would climb the mountain to go get water um, for the family. And then also to bring lunch, um, to her husband every day. It's like free solos dream job. Just kidding. That was a dumb comment. Oh, I just watched Free Solo the other day. It's great. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Um, So, so there, like I said, there's some varying accounts on how this all played out. But in one account that I read, um, Dashroth and Falungi um, were sorry, Falguni um, were grew up in the same village, and that as children they were arranged to be married. But that when it came time to be married, um, Falguni's father wouldn't let her marry him because he didn't have a job. So Dashroth left the village to go find work. And that when he came back um, several years later, they re-met and fell in love and eventually eloped. Um, So, okay, so back to the mountain. Um, So Falguni would climb this mountain every day. And one day while she was doing it, she fell um, and was badly injured. And because there was no access to medical care um, and on, the, on their side of the mountain, and because it was like 60 kilometers around um, by road, which they, I mean, they didn't have a car or anything, so um, right. she died from her injuries. Oh, jeez. So Dashroth was heartbroken, and, but he was determined that no one in the village was ever going to suffer that same fate. So he decided that he was going to build a road through the mountain. Um, in 1960, he bought a hammer, a chisel, and a crowbar. And he had to sell his goats, which was part of like how he made his living <laughs> yeah. and fed his family, um, to buy these tools. And so he would climb the mountain and, in the mornings, and he would chip away... And then he would go to work and then he'd come back at night and he would start working, chipping away at the mountain. And he later said, he said that mountain had shattered so many pots, um, which like people would go to get water and it would, they would shatter these pots to get their water in. And it claimed so many lives. I could not bear that it hurt my wife. If it took all my life now, I would carve a road, a road through that mountain. Um, so the villagers at first, when he started, I mean, as you can imagine, they mocked him because they're like, okay, you're going to, you're going to chip away with that little chisel and like build a road through this mountain. Um, but he worked and he worked and eventually he, he completely quit his job and he spent his entire like day to night 
His chipping. life mission. Yeah. Yes, chipping That's away. And so did. sometimes he would, like, carry things over the mountain for people. That's how he, like, fed... They had two kids. That's how he fed his children. Um, and then about 10 years in, people were like, oh, he's, like, making progress. There's, like, a cleft in the mountain. And they began to help. People would, like, bring him new tools, and some people would come and help him. Um, and then in 1982, after 22 years... He finally broke through the last thin Rolov walked and walked to the other side of the mountain. Oh my god! And so he had carved a road that was 360 feet long and 30 feet wide. Um, and at some places, I think I read that it was like um, 22 feet high. So he like curved this. I, I'll put, we'll put pictures on Is our it still Instagram. there. It's still there. Oh, so I go see it. Um, so the other side of the mountain with like doctors, jobs, and schools were now just five kilometers away rather than 60. So people from 60 villages around could use the road. Um, and children started calling him Baba, which is like the revered man, um, because they could now get to school. The, all of these kids could get to school. So he did this in 1982, but he didn't, that wasn't like the end of his his like advocating for his, um, for his village and his wife. He, he actually walked, um, he, to get government attention. He walked from his village all the way to New Delhi and, um, on along the train track to petition the government to like, um, pave the road and also to connect it to the main road. And, um, and also he asked for water, a school and a hospital for his people. Um, and he, eventually he like became a folk hero um, in India, you know, people, yeah. like at one point he was at, I, this, I'm not exactly sure who the person is, but so he went, he was talking to the government leaders and the, let's say prime minister, I'm pretty sure that's not who, how their government works, but, um, got up and gave Dashrath his seat. And that was like a huge thing because he is this like lowest cast of person. And so that was like a huge, wow. um, just a huge symbol of like, you know, you're revered. And the government actually um, rewarded him with a plot of land um, for all of his work, and he immediately donated it back so they could build a hospital. Um, and so, and then it took 30 years, and the, but they eventually did pave the road. Um, and he said, I started this work out for the love of my wife, but continued it for my people. If I did not, no one would. And so that is oh the story my God, I love of that story. Manji, the man who moved mountains. See, that's a perfect example of, you know, restoring your faith in humanity. Look at him versus Bert Pugash. Right. He's a Pugash. <laughs> Shit, Bert. But, I mean, it's, yeah, that's amazing. Like, that. that's what real, true love is. Right. You know, just what an amazing person to I love stories like that of people that go like of go through loss and then turn that into something positive on behalf of the person that they lost. Right. Because and then that's this, the greatest gift I think you can give to someone that you have lost. Right. That other person is to continue to do good in their name. Yeah, name and for that's them. like her, her and his legacy. I mean, that yeah. he, I mean, he literally chipped away at a mountain. I, I will we'll put pictures on our Instagram, which is um Dumb Love Podcast. And you can see, like, I mean, it's like like, you know, it which is what is crazy is that it should have been done it could have been done in like two days with dynamite, you know, but right, the government but wouldn't would do help it. Them. Nobody yeah. would help them because these are like like set aside people and um and very poor and they weren't couldn't own land. And so um, they didn't matter. And, and he was like, no, they matter. These people matter and they matter to me and they, they are people and, and they deserve access to all this stuff. And it's just, um, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then you're like, oh yeah, my life is so easy. Oh man. <laughs> I feel like I really want to just go ahead and roll into like, cause this kind of ties in with, uh, the, you know, we do something that's dumb and something that I love. I feel like this story kind of ties in with what I was going to do for something dumb. For something dumb, I was going to do, uh, I want to just very quickly, because we all know how horrible it is, but just, the, the something dumb this week for me is uh, the, and for all of humanity, yes. is are the detention camps in Mexico at the border mm -hmm. right now. Um, well, in the U.S., I guess, at the border, and the children that are being separated from their families and the horrific condition that the children are living in right now. It's a true nightmare, and I'm ashamed 
yeah. of our administration and our country for letting this happen. Um, but the something that I love are the people, like the story you just told, um, that are stepping up and helping and doing what they can. And we really can make a difference. And um, I know everybody's wondering, like, what can we do? What can we do to help these children? And um, so there are things that you can do. And I'm just going to name five of them real quick. Um, Something that I love. Um, Call your elected officials. You can do that. Call your elected officials and, um, you know, um, tell them your concerns and tell them how you feel about this. You could also donate to the ACLU. You could also um, donate to, uh, it's an organization called We Belong Together, United We Dream, and KIND, which is Kids in Need of Defense. These are all organizations actively working together to protect children and families in crisis at the border. So please reach out to one of these organizations and help out if you can. Um, so that's my something dumb, something I love. Yeah. And uh, thank for you this for, week. Yeah, thank you for highlighting that. Oh, I, no problem. I mean, I know we usually do something silly, but I just really felt strongly about it this week, and it, it just so happened to perfectly tie in to what you were talking about, yeah. I feel like. Let's you know, get our let's get our hammers and chisels let's out. Move, yes. <laughs> let's yes. move mountains. I like that. <laughs> we're going to move mountains together. Hammers uh, and chisels. Well, I mean, I don't... I well, How do I follow that, Jen? Well, it's okay, like, it's like just you just like got out and... Fresh. <laughs> let's press the reset button. Now, say something... Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I oh my, my air conditioner's not cold enough. <laughs> I um, dropped my ice cream cone on the ground, and I was real pissed. It was so dumb. Um, well, I, I my my dumb and my love this week, I, I just wanted... We talked about it at the beginning, but um, I, I really am loving doing this podcast. Me and, too. Um, we're obsessed. Yeah, we're We've obsessed. We're just, like, excited... Uh, that you're listening, we're excited to do this together, and um, and it's that it has been really fun. And we have been, um, you know, we keep saying like rate and review, and the reason we say that is because obviously, like everything has an algorithm, and um, and it's not to stroke our own egos. It's just because more people will see it, the more people rate and review. And and the dumb thing I was gonna say, which is just silly, is that we were looking at our reviews, and there's like one. Jen was like, oh, somebody, you know, not everybody likes it. There's one one-star review. <laughs> and, uh, and but, you know, that's okay. And I was just like, oh, that was my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and he just accidentally, I was sitting right next to him, and he accidentally pressed the one-star, and he thought it was supposed to swipe up to make the five. And uh, and now every time I see it, I'm just like, go, Ben. So... <laughs> You still hate our hate our podcast, and he's just like, I tried to change it. I don't know what to do. It's so funny because um, so then after Sally told me that, my mom called me yesterday, and my mom was like, I did the thing. I uh, I reviewed your podcast. I pressed the one, and then I pressed the two, and then I pressed the three, and then I pressed the. Four. I think I did up to five, and I'm like, Mom, I think you just gave us like a one star, a two star. <laughs> But I don't, I don't know if she did. She's like, oh, she felt so terrible. I, she know, like, um, you know, she like, and I'm sure Ben does. They just yes. want so badly to support us. <laughs> it's like the people that love it's, us the very most. We're just like, oh no. That's that's kind of how love usually is. You're hurt the most by the, those closest <laughs> to you. And now you guys just have to make it up to us. Um, yeah, with your good reviews. Yeah. So anyway, so thank you guys for your support because uh, we're enjoying doing this and we hope you guys are enjoying listening to it. Um, and uh, and thank you guys so much for listening and uh, get out there and do some dumb stuff for love. Dumb, dumb, dumb.